0: Welcome to Fossils and Fiction, a podcast exploring cultural and scientific ideas about dinosaurs. I'm Travis Holland. In this episode of Fossils and Fiction, it's the first in a new format that I'm calling the Research Journal. It features detailed discussion of two recent publications with two PhD candidates. Isaac Kerr from Flinders University joins me for a chat about his work on a new genus of kangaroo from the late Pleistocene of Papua New Guinea. And Adele Pentland from Swinburne University and the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum is here to discuss the osteology of Ferro lentoni, and an anhangrid pterosaur from mid-Cretaceous Australia. Of course, neither the kangaroo nor the pterosaur are specifically dinosaurs, but so far as I'm concerned, big, dead, and in the ground is just as good. Welcome.
1: My name is Adele Pentland, and I'm a PhD candidate at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne, and... Honorary Research Associate at the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Natural History Museum.
0: Adele, uh, I wanted to have a chat about your new paper, The Osteology of Ferro Draco Lantoni, uh, which is one of the most well-known or the most well-known Australian pterosaurs. Tell us about what you found in this 2022 paper.
1: This more recent paper was an opportunity to try and describe as much of the skeleton in as much detail as uh, possible and then i also wanted to try and do a phylogenetic analysis even though we did one previously in the 2019 paper i wanted to contrast uh the results and use a different data matrix and see how that impacted the results
0: what did the new analysis show um
1: so the position of fro draco didn't change that much so it is still coming out as the sister taxon to Mofunga Kamara. So uh, Mofunga is the first pterosaur uh, species that was named from Australia in 2007. Uh, and it's a little bit older than Draco So that kind of makes sense that you would have these two Australian taxa uh, together. But then this more recent analysis demonstrated that they are more closely related to to other Gondwanan pterosaurs, so tropignathus mesembrinus and sorocterix Um So I should explain that Gondwana is the big supercontinent that uh, included Australia as well as New Zealand, New Caledonia, uh, Antarctica, um, India, Madagascar, and South America and Africa. So what these results are showing is that our two Australian taxa are closely related to one species from South America and one species from Africa, which sort of makes sense. We see this pattern in terms of the diversity of uh, dinosaurs as well and other groups. Uh, But this does differ from the 2019 analysis, because in that paper I showed that Fero Draco was closely related to Onethacarisimus, which is actually from England, but in this in the 2022 paper, Onethacarisimus is sort of uh, popping out of the phylogenetic analysis very early on. So it's sort of demonstrating that it's more basal in this matrix, but that is probably because Onethacarisimus is just the very tip of a snout. So we sort of see this happen more generally in not just the phylogenetic analyses of pterosaurs, but all kinds of things if you don't have a lot of uh, information, anatomical structure to describe, or if something is being misinterpreted, say if you have interpreted what is actually a lizard as a small dinosaur, then it'll pop out early in the phylogenetic analysis. So. Yeah, just some very different um, analyses. I'll probably continue to rescore and add Ferro Draco into more phylogenetic analyses in the future and just try and refine it.
0: We should have just a little bit more background on Ferro Draco. Uh, as I understand, the name means Iron Lizard, is that correct? Iron Dragon. Iron Dragon, yeah. of course, Draco. Okay, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, no, I had the privilege of naming that one. You. Yeah, it was me. Yeah we had picked a nickname for the uh individual so that was nicknamed butch after butch lenton who was the previous mayor of winton uh winton being the town near where fro draco was found um i wanted to name the species after uh butch lenton so that's why it's lent i and yeah i wanted to have a name that was easy for kids to say so i had a bunch of like different combinations of words in an Excel spreadsheet and then I came up with Draco, and then later found out it's like a boss in Minecraft which I had no idea about because I'm too old for Minecraft.
0: Can you explain the scanning process that underwent that the um, fossils underwent at the synchrotron?
1: We took the specimen down to the synchrotron at uh, near Monash in well close to Melbourne if you're not familiar with this part of Australia and The synchrotron is a big, round building, and it's a particle accelerator. So it's shaped like a donut because it needs to accelerate particles, and then those are projected at whatever object you're studying. So at the time that I took Ferrodraco down for scans, they were also studying... clay tablets uh archaeological artifacts yeah it could be used for all sorts of things it has medical applications so um a cool upshot of that is that we can use it to study the internal structure of fossil uh, material of bones um unfortunately a weird thing happened when we had the synchrotron scans done so the shape of the teeth of Fro-Draco are just the perfect size that they actually um, focused the laser beam that was being projected at it and it scratched the sensor, which was really bizarre. And uh, I thought in a bit of a panic when um, Dr. Joseph Bevert, who's a co-author on the paper, when he told me that happened, I thought, you know, it was going to hold the process up for hours which costs thousands of dollars um but uh yeah it was just like a little scratch on the sensor just yeah the process of getting uh anything scanned at the synchrotron like it's a pretty competitive process because they're high resolution um and yeah it's a it's a big it's a big uh, drama when you damage the sensor or something needs to um to be replaced or fixed with it i understand it
0: in the conclusion you mentioned that um uh there there are some indications of diversity of pterosaurs even though we have only really got a handful at the moment
1: paleontologists sometimes get made fun of because the conclusion of basically every paper is we need more fossils to study and sort of get a better picture of things but You know, as we sort of demonstrated with this specimen, you know, the discovery of one fossil can really change and shed light on our understanding of these ancient ecosystems. So the hope is that if we find more examples, then we can possibly see how there might be individual variation or get a better understanding to see, is there more than one species of pterosaur present in this particular geologic formation and then if we're looking at stuff you know that's tens of millions of years apart or a few million years apart can we can we possibly prove that one species is directly evolving into the other but that's normally very difficult to demonstrate
0: Isaac, tell me about your paper, A New Genus of Kangaroo from the Late Pleistocene of Papua New Guinea.
2: Yeah, so um, what we've essentially done is um, we've had a look during my PhD, which is on the, um, the systematics and paleobiology of an extinct genus of kangaroo called um, We re-examined the identity of um, some fossils that were found in the 70s in New Guinea um, from a place called Nombi Rock Shelter. Um, and the species was called Pretemnodon nombi by um, Tim Flannery in his study in the early 80s. We had a good look at that um, set of fossils and compared them to the rest of Pretemnodon. And basically, they, they weren't fitting. They had uh, quite different teeth. And, you know, when you've just got sort of two jaws to go off, which is what we had for this species, you know, the teeth are very important. So um, we saw, OK, uh, this isn't a Pretemnodon, you know, so what is it? And we, we looked at... Um, every other kangaroo uh that we could find and you know it wasn't really fitting with any of those either and so we were like oh this is, this is pretty interesting um and it had these features of the jaw that sort of showed you know so it's quite a muscular jaw um it had features that showed it was maybe related to more basal kangaroos so you know something that um evolved a little earlier an older lineage we might say um and yeah so we popped it in a in its own new genus um which we creatively also called Nombi. Um, and yeah, uh, put it in, um, an evolutionary, a phylogenetic analysis and basically found that while obviously just with two jaws, you know, that's not heaps to go off. Um, it's, it seems to suggest that, um, Nombi Nombi was quite a, a basal kangaroo and an early lineage of kangaroo.
0: It shows really how science works sometimes. Even someone... Uh, like Tim Flarry you know, he, he produces this work which obviously stands for a while and then somebody new comes along and does a bit of reinterpretation. I think that's really important to understand for people how science, um, you know, is a process of testing and retesting these ideas.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, Tim's sort of, he's followed, you know, all of these, like, strands of, um, of research and, and done all this amazing work over the years um, and you can sort of see why he... Uh, couldn't come back to work on Little Nombie Nombi. Um, But it's been nice because he was actually the, one of the reviewers on the paper. So sort of, you know, got to have his thoughts and his input as we were sort of readdressing, you know, some of his early work.
0: Did you get to come up with the name?
2: Uh, yeah, so um, that was basically, uh, you know, a couple of months of sort of it bouncing around in the back of heads. You know, had lots of different ideas, sort of names... I guess talk about like the, the funny curve in the crest of its teeth and things like that, or maybe it's kind of robustness. But they're all sort of features that, you know, we're, we're not sure they'll necessarily define the genus, you know, should we find other species, mm-hmm. um, for example, or, you know, would be such an important feature of the whole, of the kangaroo as a whole, if you know what I mean, when we're just sort of talking about teeth and jaws. Um, so basically there wasn't a lot to go off of the name, you know, for naming it. And we thought that Nombi Nombi, you know, memorable, has a ring to it, very simple, you know, just went with that. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. yeah I, I suggested it to Gav, you know, thinking he'd say it was silly, and he said it was good. Sorry, Gav's my supervisor, yeah. said he's And co-author paper. on the paper that we're referring to. Yeah,
0: so that's,
2: that's right, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Brilliant! That's uh, that's that's fantastic. Really interesting work. What implications do you think this has for the way we understand kangaroo evolution across the continent?
2: I mean, it's a it's a fairly small paper, so I'd say um, the implications are maybe gentle. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's um, it suggests that uh, particularly in New Guinea, uh, where this is from, it suggests that the um, the macropodids there, the kangaroos from there, are a bit more diverse than we thought. For a while, there was sort of the question why, um, I should say, the, the megafaunal, the marsupial megafaunal um, array in New Guinea, is it's quite sparse compared to the, Australia. So we have just the diprotodontids, the giant um, quadrupedal herbivores, just a few species from there, I think three. And um, then from the Pliocene and Pleistocene. Uh, the kangaroos we have, I think, oh, off the top of my head, maybe six species. And then there's thylacines. And um, I think that's it for what we might consider giant marsupials. So that's three marsupial families. And then in Australia, I think there's just in the fly there's at least eight. And um, as, as we discussed, they were connected, you know, for quite a period of time. And so why that is isn't really apparent why there are so few megafauna marsupials in New Guinea. Um, but this basically suggests that there were, you know, there was this greater level of diversity and that there were sort of possibly multiple movements of um, megafauna marsupials into New Guinea rather than just sort of one, you know, early in the Pliocene. There might have been um, more significant more significant ones earlier. And um, it also just basically shows that, um, you know, we, we don't know everything about, you know what what kangaroos are and what they were well into when you know humans were in Australia.
0: Fantastic! Uh, is there anything else we need to know
2: about Nombi Nombi? Oh, uh, not yet. Just uh, watch the space. We hopefully you know we're going back into New Guinea. Um, very exciting. Starting in the middle of next year, and then again for two more trips consecutive years. Um, yeah, hopefully we, we find a you know more bones, maybe even a complete skeleton and we get to tell everyone what it actually looks like you know, we've, we've had um, a pleasant amount of, of media interest in, in this topic, you know friends I haven't <laughs> seen for a very long time saying, oh i read your article whatever, um, that's been very nice, so yeah, hopefully we get, we get to uh, show you what it looks like in a couple of years time.
0: Fantastic we will link uh, both the full published article and also your conversation piece in the show notes as well so anyone who wants to follow up can find out more information isaac kerr thank you very much for joining fossils and fiction thanks to adele and isaac for taking the time to tell us about their work it's fantastic to see such interesting and exciting work emerging from young australian scientists Full details of the papers we discussed will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Fossils and Fiction podcast, produced by me, Travis Holland, with the support of Charles Sturt University. The podcast theme music is Sonora by Quincas Morea via the YouTube audio library. Find more content on our social media channels. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Show notes are available on the website, fossilsfiction.co. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcasting platforms.